Hello, welcome, and would you look at this mess? I'm your host, Kate, and the purpose of this podcast is to trace, explore, and celebrate the unconventionality that lives within all of us. Hey, hi, welcome back. Come on in. Okay, I'm recording this a little bit late. Um, I was up north on the weekend. I knew it was going away, and I tried to find a way to record something before I left, but it just didn't happen. So it is Monday afternoon. Um, This episode is going to come out immediately after recording. It's all good. It's all good. I just am committed to not missing any weeks Um, I really enjoy that I've been able to maintain getting episodes out every week, and I'm going to find ways to make it happen one way or another. And today it actually worked out um, kind of well in a sense because it was too hot to work our full day of work, so I'm home a little early, which meant that I had time to do this. Um, That's something maybe someday I'll talk about is, is the shift in this industry because of climate change, but... That's definitely for another day. Um, So after I recorded my episode last week and put it out and I watched everything unfold over the week, I kind of wanted to do like a debrief or recap and some, you know, afterthoughts of what's gone on and what I think about the situation currently. Um, And so that was all about, you know, canceling Canada Day and acknowledging Indigenous grief and uh, the grief of Canadians and all of that. So... Um, Yeah, I mean, it was interesting to watch uh, everything that went on. Uh, Definitely a huge show of solidarity, which was fantastic. I thought that was great. Um, Lots of people wearing orange and marching and posting about their reflections and how they're talking to their families and things like that. And, And I think that was really, really great. Um, definitely I did, I don't think I heard any fireworks on Thursday evening. I definitely got, heard them when we were up North on Friday and Saturday, but you know, I said to Nick, some people might've actually actively avoided doing them on the, on the actual day and then still did them on the weekend. I don't know. And my mom also said that up there, they, people tend to do them most days of the week anyway. So it could have been completely unrelated, but anyway, That was a big thing I think people were um, concerned about was like, you know, this, this, it's almost like this symbolic gesture of not being exuberantly noisy on a day when people are experiencing grief and are going to be working through that. So there was quite a large call from people to not have fireworks specifically. Um, And so I did notice that there was definitely a limited number, at least that I could hear, because we live in the city and often on holidays, we can hear them, different people from around have them and stuff. So anyway, it seems like maybe there was a a reduction in firework uh, parties and stuff that day. Um, but what I really, like, I, I kind of posted about this in the, the post that I put on my Instagram with the other episode. So I kind of wanted to touch on that a little bit more and talk about that a little bit more and draw some connections because, um, 
you know, this is one of those things and it's hard to explain from my perspective because I've been so deeply involved in this kind of activism and this kind of work for so long that I feel like, uh, you know, it's, I see it from such a different perspective than people who are just now sort of becoming awakened to it, which is lots of Canadians, certainly lots of people in my own life, um, which is a little bit sad because, you know, I've been talking about this stuff for so long and it never seems to have penetrated. And now there are people, you know, I'm being approached by people going, oh, you should join this group or you should do this thing because it's a really great learning opportunity. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I don't want to sound arrogant, but I probably know a lot more than the person that you're <laughs> referring me to. Um, because what I found is that there are lots of people who are very sudden activists, you know? And so on the one hand, that's great, again, that people want to get involved and that they want to do things. But it can also be really problematic because... Um, there, this is a very complicated and deeply layered situation. It's not straightforward. It's not, um, it's very difficult to grasp a lot of things and it is layered with a number of different, different aspects as well. And so getting involved in something, um, you know, and trying to, to be a voice for change and stuff so early on without having done a lot of the learning involved can be really harmful to people. And so this is something that I actually saw coming up on social media a little bit on Thursday and Friday last week when people were posting about how there were these demonstrations and protests and things and they were, you know, people were getting up to speak and to uh, say poems and things like that. And because there were people who were running these things who really weren't deeply embedded in the communities, who really didn't have a fundamental understanding of things, they were overshadowing, overshadowing the people who really needed to have their voices amplified in those moments. So survivors and elders and things. And there were situations across the country where elders were, were becoming dehydrated because it was so hot that day and there was no water provided for them. And they were being the last ones to, to be a part of um, a march or a demonstration and so there was a lot of this this stuff going on where people just generally didn't understand what it was they were getting themselves into and how to culturally appropriately um, execute these things. And so there were definitely some problems there. And then, you know, I noticed in our area that there were some people who are now creating Facebook groups and things to advocate for these problems and or not, well, anyway, to advocate for Indigenous communities. Um, but again, they don't seem to have a real depth of understanding of what the root of the problems are. And so really what I want to say here, and I think this episode will be fairly brief anyway, I just want to say that, again, it's great if you are noticing these things now, if you suddenly seem to get it and it makes sense to you that these are real problems and that they exist and narratives that have been told for decades are true and all of that. Um, but you do have an obligation if you're going to start taking up this activism to learn a lot. There is a lot of learning and unpacking that you have to do as an individual because um, you need to understand from the perspective of the people that you are advocating for and on behalf of, you need to understand why some of those the issues exist that do exist. Um, but, and, and so there's a couple of things here, like I'm going to give you, um, some terms to maybe look 
into. Uh, one of them is white saviorism. This is a real problem um, for whether it be for indigenous communities or black communities or uh, Latino, Latinx communities, all kinds of different marginalized communities, uh, racially marginalized anyway, are subjected to white saviorism. And this is particularly bad, I think, in the global south and in Africa and stuff. Um, and we can talk about that another time. But in this particular context, I want you to be really mindful that um, when you look at this situation from the outside in without having a really good grounded understanding of why things are the way that they are, uh, it is very easy to fall into the trap of white saviorism, to want to save the children, to want to save the communities from themselves. You know what I mean? Um, it's really easy to do that if you're not have been getting a good base understanding of what the reality and what the situation is. And where you get that understanding from is by understanding things like treaty rights, understanding what the Indian Act is and how it functions, understanding what apartheid is and how it um, relates to Canada and current, current society in Canada. All those things. So that's where I'm like, okay, we want to we know about white saviorism. We want to know about Indian Act. We want to know about uh, what sovereignty is and what sovereignty and what so sovereign rights mean for Indigenous communities and indi Indigenous people. Um, we want to probably have a decent understanding of the communities in our area, local to us, in terms of what you know what their sovereignty looks like, what their communities look like, what their reserves look like. Things kind of along that line. Um, because that's all really complicating stuff. And so this is the thing that, like, um, I was thinking about, you know, people really wanted to get onto social media and say, hey, look, I'm doing something. I'm advocating for this thing. I see it. I'm with you. I'm here, blah, blah, blah. And so I was talking to my mom about this, and I was saying, you know, part of the problem with that kind of stuff is that those types of demonstrations, they make us feel really good, right? They make the person who is demonstrating feel good. They're like, yeah, I'm contributing something. I'm doing something, especially because we can post that kind of stuff online and we can get all this accolades like, oh, yeah, you're doing a great job. And, you know, like, oh, good for you for standing up and things like that. And you get that kind of positive reinforcement and you get the, the pat on the back for doing it. It makes you feel really good. Um, but that can't be all of your activism. It can't be entirely just posting something online about what you think or how you feel or how you've spoken to your family. There's a whole lot of the behind the scenes work that also needs to go into it. And so this is what I was telling my mom because I said to her, you know, when people started <clears throat> sort of telling me about things that were going on as if I had no idea, <laughs> I said, do I never talk about what my research has been in, like what I've done, how I've meaningfully made an impact from my own research and my own education? Because... I feel like people have no idea what it is that I do or have done. And she was like, no, you don't talk about it at all. <laughs> so, so this is where something I'm like, I'm realizing, you know, <clears throat> I, I had this moment of realization where I was like, wow, I really do just do the work. I show up and I share things online and stuff, but there is a whole lot of work that I've done over the last 10 years that <clears throat> again, meaningfully contributes to 
uh, communities and the way that communities can assert themselves and their rights that nobody really knows about. That, like, I don't talk about this stuff all the time. And so that's where I was kind of, I, I noticed all of a sudden that there was this shift for me where my activism was no longer just that performative rah rah look at me doing something good for other people it was like just getting down to doing the work and doing it quietly and so that's where I think you have to have this stamina um, to actually engage in that kind of activism because the flashy social media kind of stuff it it's fine it creates awareness but um, at the end of the day you really want to look at what your impact is and what kind of an impact you're having. And, and that includes unintended impacts when you go about something without having a really strong educational basis for what it is that you're doing. What impacts you might have that you're not even considering, right? And so, <clears throat> so like when I see people in communities who are majority white and have never really been involved in these kinds of things and and certain people want to stand up as leaders in those things I think hmm okay I really need to we need to vet this person and understand what their understanding is and have and know what where they're coming from because they could potentially lead a lot of people to some pretty terrible stuff if they don't know what they're doing. And that's common. I feel like that's fairly common. People want to have a charismatic leader. They want to have somebody to tell them what to do, but they don't necessarily understand or recognize that that person may not have any connection meaningfully to whatever it is that they're advocating for. They just know that people want to do something, and so they, they just go ahead and do it. Um, so I have seen what I think is a little bit of that, a little bit of people jumping on board with somebody who doesn't really know what they're doing. Um, so I just want to caution against doing that kind of stuff. And like I said, I feel like people have an obligation to to come into this kind of activism wholeheartedly, genuinely, and do the learning that's involved. That And it's really, it is really involved. It's a lot of work and you have to be able to set time aside to do that. You can't just be setting time aside to post on social media. You have to set time aside to Google the Indian Act, read the Truth and Reconciliation Commission uh, report and, and those other things that are not glamorous in any way, but they're going to help you to build on what it is that you know. And so you know, I had said to my mom, like, there's this, this, in my mind, I picture it as like this huge group of people who come out on, who came out on Canada Day and said, we're standing here in solidarity with Indigenous communities. You know, we want them to um, get, have their rights and we want them to have clean water, etc. But then it boils down to actually a much smaller group of people who are actually going away from that and doing something meaningful. Which is, again, like this is the way things are, right? People do these flash-in-the-pan things because it's the trendy thing to do and it's in the moment and it makes them feel better. They alleviate some of their own stress and cognitive dissonance and whatever because now they've they've stood up for something. Um, but so I'm just saying, you know, if you do really want to do something, uh, start there. Start with understanding the issues for what they are from the perspective of the community or communities that you're advocating for um, and do the non-glamorous stuff, do it quietly and build from there. 
The other side of all of this is that we also have to acknowledge and recognize that we were all as white Canadian settlers brought up in an environment that is racist towards indigenous people. And that doesn't just suddenly go away because we recognize overnight that there are legitimate problems that people are are claiming from those communities. And so this is also part of that whole idea about um, understanding treaty rights and um, and sovereignty and all that stuff because, you know, as I was saying to somebody, I just have this vision in my mind of like, People on Thursday standing up and saying, wow, we have such a bad history and blah, blah, blah. And like, we're so ashamed of our country. That's on a Thursday. And then on the Friday, complaining about how indigenous people don't pay taxes. <laughs> you know, like there's just so many racist and uh, misinformed tropes about indigenous people that we also need to be actively trying to dismantle and eradicate from our own minds um, that it, to me those two things aren't really compatible you can't be in solidarity with communities but also have no basis of understanding of what their rights are and how they self-govern and um, how they're allowed to hunt and you're not for reasons of sovereignty <laughs> right um, so that to me is a really fundamental piece that I'm not sure everyone is fully grasping that you have an obligation to inform yourself on these very specific, important aspects of what it is that you are now being attuned to. Because again, you're running a real risk here. People are running a real risk by uh, trying to get involved in the activism without any of that piece of the the picture already in place because you're going to be basing your decisions and your opinions on the ideas that you already hold in your mind and a lot of them are really racist a lot of them are really problematic and not accurate right so when you better understand what the situation is around taxes around hunting around work and reserves and all of that stuff when you have a better picture and an understanding of those things then you will be able to show up more meaningfully and have a more positive impact on the communities that you're trying to work for versus um, starting the activism before you have done any of the background con contextual work right so anyway that's basically all i have to say at this stage is do some of that work. It's not glamorous. It's not fun. It doesn't get you necessarily any accolades or pats on the back necessarily, but it is important and it is an essential part of the work. Um, and it will take you further than just trying to dive headfirst into activism without it. This is when, when people do that, that's when you end up with others calling you out and you don't understand why you're being called out because you were trying to do something nice. And then you get defensive. That's why that happens, because you haven't taken the time to fully educate yourself to the best of your ability to ask questions, to be clear on things from the perspective of the community before you try to enact change. And so then in your mind, you're thinking, well, they should be grateful because I'm here for them. I'm here to support them. When in reality, you're not supporting them in the way that they are asking for support. So I want to caution against that. And so the biggest things, again, are white saviorism and uh, understanding where a lot of the racist and 
um, anti-Indigenous ideas come from because of misunderstandings and get clear on those things. Figure out what those what those things are, right? Start looking into them and getting a better understanding of what it is that you don't already understand and know. Um, as always, if you have questions or you want resources to guide you in any of this stuff, please feel free to reach out to me. Um, I mentioned in my Instagram stories that Emmeline and I are doing the University of Alberta Indigenous Canada course together. It's a free online course. Um, it's been pretty good. So I would definitely recommend doing that if, if this is something that you do feel called to do. Um, and there's lots of other resources. I can link, uh, I'll link the U of A uh, course. I'll link the TRC report again. <laughs> um, and I'll see if I can find some other links that kind of describe a little bit about what I'm talking about in terms of treaty rights and um, sovereignty and that kind of stuff. Because yeah, those are the building blocks for the rest of this um, activism. And so the question that I have is, okay, we canceled Canada today. What's next? What do we do now? The next step is get educated, get clear on things so that you have a clear path of how to move forward. And at the very least, you can impart to your family. You can start standing up for people better when you get into those family dynamics where people are miseducated themselves. You can better advocate for people on the ground rather than just over social media or in this grandiose way, right? Get into the nitty gritty stuff. <laughs> so, okay, that's all I have. Um, as always, again, if you have questions or concerns or comments or any of that, please let me know if you enjoyed this episode or you found it useful. Uh, please feel free to share the accompanying image that I put on Instagram and tell your friends about it. Uh, like I said, reach out if you have any questions or you want any resources to anything. I'm always happy to share uh, and I have lots. So yeah, that's, that's it. Okay. Thank you so much for being here. I am so grateful for your time and um, I will see you in the next one.